The Long Box Crusade presents... Action Film Face-Off. This episode is 1973 versus 2008. Two films enter. One film leaves. Two men enter. One man 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 leaves. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hit. Welcome, 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 everybody. This episode is sponsored by Omaha Bound Entertainment. Of course, your best choice for hard binding those special comics in your collection. The guys over at Omaha Bound do only the best high-quality binding, and they custom design every cover. So every hardcover you get from them is unique. So in short, when you get your comic books or whatever magazines you got, when you get them hardbound with Omaha Bound, you got a -a one-of-a-kind collection. You could be like me. I am clearly very fancy. I'm so fancy. You already know. You want to be fancy like me? Just head over to omahabound.com today. And get your stuff taken care of. Once you got that done, enjoy your fanciness. And with that, welcome to Action Film Face-Off, the show where two random ears are selected. My brother will bring an action film from one of the random ears. I will bring an action film from the other random year. Those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of the episode. Let me introduce one of your hosts, my brother, a U.S. Army combat veteran of Kosovo and Iraq. It is Jason. The Weasel Skull Albrecht. Yes, indeed. We're going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. What are those categories, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) They are story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero, and the villain. We can mix that order up anytime we want. We'll surprise you. We're not going to surprise you. It's the same way. Every time we just don't do it the way that I say this every time. Mm. Anyway, it'll make sense when you, or maybe it won't. I don't know. And then there will be the deduction round where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. And let's find out what this episode's first action film is going to be from my brother and co host, a U.S. Air Force combat veteran of Iraq and a combat self defense instructor, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. Thank you, Jason. I will bring our first film into the arena momentarily, but you know what? We've got to thank our Crusaders Club members. These are the folks who joined our crusade. They get discounts from my online store, theyardsaleartist.com. Early access to special long box episodes. Voting on show content. The movie I brought today was voted on by our Crusaders Club members and our Twitter followers. These are the fine folks who are reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. The Crusaders Club is kind of like the opposite of Fight Club, where the rule of Fight Club is you never talk about Fight Club, but Crusaders Club, we always talk about Crusaders Club members, and we're going to kick it off talking about Angelica Wolf. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Bob Busta. 
Braxton Underwood. Dave Collins. You know him as Battle Wagon. Battle Wagon. The Duchess. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Greg Van Leuven. I, the Collector. Ivor Evans. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman. Joe Thomas. John Watson. John and Maggie. Jose Pollo. Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Where you at, Jeff? Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Toronto Cop. And our one-time donor, Bradford William. If we missed anyone on our list, I apologize. Just keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get you squared away. You might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? I keep asking, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? Well, it's simple. Head over to patreon.com and search Longbox Crusade for as little as $1 a month. You'll get, well, when I say you, I mean everybody but Jason. We'll get access to the amazing world of Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Well, now let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film gladiators about to battle for your pleasure. This episode, I was assigned the year of 1973, and I have selected, with a little help from the Crusaders Club and our Twitter followers, Enter the Dragon, starring Bruce Lee, John Saxon, and Jim Kelly. What year did the randomizer select for you? Well, I got 2008, and I put into our Videodome arena, Ip Man, starring Donnie Yen, Simon Yam, and Sue Wong Fan. We have a fine matchup here, folks. So it's important to point out that this isn't like Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our signed year. I might like his selection better than mine or vice versa. Here's a hint. Jason I scoring is going to be very close on both of these films in this episode. As we've discovered, this is all about us discussing some beloved action films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. Now, here's a spoiler warning. If you've not seen 1973's Enter the Dragon or 2008's Ip Man, we are going to spoil the heck out of them. If you'd like to watch them first before the discussion, this is the time to do it. Go ahead and pause here, and we will meet you on the other side of this musical break. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed those fine films. Then let me jump in with some quick information on 1973's Enter the Dragon. Roper, Williams, and Lee, the Deadly Three, penetrate the secret chambers of an evil island empire. What do you know about Han? He lives like a king on that island. Totally self-sufficient. A fortress without walls, protected by an invincible army that needs no ordinary weapons. This is Enter the Dragon, the first martial arts film produced by a major Hollywood studio. John Saxon is Roper. He was in it for the money. U.S. karate champion Jim Kelly as Williams. He was there because he had no choice. Black Belt Hall of Fame undisputed martial arts champion and international film star Bruce Lee. His job was to get them out alive. I'm hoping you'll join us, represent us in the United States. You want me to join this? Roper, Williams, and Lee. 
just when they think they've broken the secret of the island, they find there is no escape from the inscrutable Han. Warner Brothers presents Enter the Dragon, where the world's greatest martial arts athletes meet the ultimate challenge with the most ancient and deadly of weapons, the human body. Enter the Dragon from Warner Brothers. All right, your cast and crew. Clearly, it stars Bruce Lee, John Saxon, Jim Kelly. It's directed by Robert Klaus. And your synopsis goes a little something like this. Lee is recruited by a government organization to expose the nefarious deeds that martial arts expert Han is doing on his island. It's not tough to recruit Lee because Lee is out for revenge against Han for ruining the reputation of their sacred temple and Han's hand, no pun intended, and the loss of Lee's sister. To infiltrate the island, Lee joins a martial arts tournament and makes some allies in the form of old army buddies Roper and Williams. Can the trio expose the island's secrets? Yes, they can. All right, so let's get to the trivia for this one. Number one, the production had trouble finding actresses to play the prostitutes in the film, so they hired real-life prostitutes. (laughs) Hey, man, that's creating jobs. I like that. It's sort of like method acting, I guess. (laughs) These prostitutes seem so realistic. (laughs) You know? Can't go wrong. Trivia bit number two. You, you know, I probably shouldn't have led with prostitutes. I probably should have waited to the third one. Yeah, that should have been your third bullet. <laughs> All right, let's roll it at two. This trivia fact will get everybody's barometer set for what this movie was like in 1973. This was the first Chinese martial arts film produced by a major Hollywood studio, period. Like, this is the first mass-marketed, mass-distributed in the U.S. martial arts film ever. That's important. So, yeah, big time in it. And third, John Saxon, may he rest in peace. He recently passed away. You may think he got cast because of his good looks and his charming ways, which he has. But did you know he also held a black belt in karate? So he was no slouch on the set himself. So good on you, John Saxon. And that is that for Into the Dragon. Yeah, I really like John Saxon in that movie. We'll talk about it a little bit more in depth. But uh, yeah, I think the ensemble of this cast was really good. Yeah, definitely an interesting thing. What you got? Well, I will give you the rundown on 2008's Ip Man. When Japan invaded China, they ruled with a deadly fist. Many rose to fight against them. Only one man had the secret. A warrior legend. Conquered and oppressed. Who never lost his honor. Generation. 
And once again, I apologize in advance before I roll into the names of this cast and crew. <laughs> it's officially called pulling a raid <laughs> on this show. And here we go. Cast includes Donnie Yen, Simon Yam, Lin Xiong, Hiroyuki, Ikuichi, and Ka Tung Lam. Whew, got through that. All right. Synopsis goes a little something like this. In this 2008 biopic, Donnie Yen plays Ip Man, a local kung fu master and the eventual instructor of Bruce Lee. When the Japanese invade China, Ip Man must give up his life of teaching martial arts and eke out a means of survival for his family shoveling coal. Struggling to make ends meet, Ip Man notices that his friends and former students are disappearing. When he realizes that the local Japanese warlord is using them for practice and killing them, Ip Man goes back to doing what he does best and teaches the local occupiers a very painful lesson. And my three pieces of trivia include, number one, Ip Man's fighting style is called Wing Chun. It was created by two women, Ning Mui and Yim Wing Chun. A local warlord wanted to marry Yim Wing Chun, and she challenged him to a duel instead. By creating this fighting style, she won the fight and secured her freedom. Hiroyuki Ikiuchi, who played the Japanese general, suffered a mild concussion after being struck in the head four times during a fight scene. Donnie Yen was also injured when an axe wielder caught the side of his left eye. So there were a lot of injuries during the production of this film. <laughs> I want to know how you get hit four times in a fight scene. <laughs> Did you that see how purpose. fast Donnie Yen was punching, man? <laughs> That had to be on purpose. You think you would have realized you hit him after the second round. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like after two, I, I'm thinking you're this is intentional. Now it's just egregious. <laughs> now you're gonna get an axe to the eye. <laughs> Donnie Yen was supposed to play Ip Man in 1997, but the studio canceled the film after only one day of shooting. In that film, Stephen Chow was cast as Bruce Lee. Interesting. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants. Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! It's a street fight! Ah, uh, yes, we have finally made it to that part of the show where the blood is going to fly in the arena, which may or may not have spikes on it. But before we start, let's take care of a couple of items of business. First of all, match game. Jason and I have both scored these two films in five different categories, which means we can have up to 10 possible matches. I did the math in my head. We do that for you here at Action Film Face Off. Up to 10 possible matches. I haven't seen his scores. He hasn't seen my scores. So as we go through this, if you want to play the match game, now is the time to place your bets on how Many times Jason and I are going to match. Also, let's get our score barometer set. We are on a scale of one to ten. Five is average. It's in the middle. What we like to say is five is like something you'd see on a halfway decent made-for-TV movie. You know, it gets the job done. It moves the story along. Whatever. It's a five. It's middle of the road. No problem. You start going four, three, two, one. Oh, that's not good. You know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Now you're talking the hot stuff, right? Now you're in James Bond territory. So with all that said, match game's ready. Your score barometer is set. Let's get into round one. Round one is the story. How engaging or original is your story? Jason, take me through your thoughts on the story of Enter the Dragon 1973. 
Well, I thought Enter the Dragon 1973, and you brought it up at the beginning. This was kind of the first big budget martial arts film for mass release in the U.S. They kept it pretty simple. It's an island controlled by a bad guy filled with bad guys that brings a bunch of guys to fight martial arts tournaments on the said island. Bruce Lee goes on to the island, makes friends with a couple of buddies there. They find out what's going on, tear down the whole organization. Rest is history. But in there, there's also layered elements of Chinese drama as well. There's strong elements of family, of tradition, of the martial art. There's the story of Bruce Lee's sister, uh, which I felt was very strong and compelling. So there's different layers of motivation for Bruce Lee, other than just the altruistic, I'm the good guy, and I'm going to take this dangerous mission to go and infiltrate this island and take down this crime lord. So there's a lot of good stuff coming on. Kind of reminded me of a really good comic book, to be honest. You know, if you know me, that's a good thing. So you can expect a high score. Yeah, I'll tack on to that. The really good comic book you're thinking of is Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. It had tons of elements from that, or Shang-Chi had elements from Enter the Dragon. Crisscross. Crisscross. <laughs> you know, here's some high compliments for the story. You know, there's Shang-Chi elements, which I think did take some things from Enter the Dragon. This film, I think, has influences of James Bond. They've added in, I think it's straight up the British government that sends him <laughs> on this mission. Yeah, pretty like, much him, him sent him. Style. <laughs> you know, it's got the beautiful women. It's got the island fortress. It's got the big battle set piece at the end. It has a lot of James Bond influence. And speaking of Criss Cross, what James Bond movie came out after Enter the Dragon? It would have to be The Man with the Golden Gun. You can see the influence now that this film alone had on The Man with the Golden Gun. Because after this came out, people couldn't get enough of the Chinese Kung Fu craze, man. They started going finding Bruce Lee's old hits, you know, Chinese Connection, Big Boss, Fist of Fury. By the way, a lot of those titles are interchangeable. It's very confusing. Anyway, <laughs> they, this started a boom. Was the story super creative? Not really, but its yeah. execution was good. And I like the way they took the time. My favorite story element is that they took the time with all three of our main characters, Roper, Williams, and of course Lee, and gave us all their motivation, all their backstory, and it didn't take terribly long. They did a good job of getting us where we need to go. So I did like that. Yeah, that's true. There was really good character development in a relatively little amount of time. So I appreciated the artistic elements of that as well. Through the magic of podcast editing, Jason, I have just looked up the first appearance of Shang-Chi as a character of the Marvel Universe, and it was December of 1973. Marvel wasted no time getting onto this bandwagon. Toot, toot! And I'm glad they did. All right? I mean, they took the best elements of this and spun it into a great comic that is martial arts infused with that British espionage intrigue of James Bond. I love Master of Kung Fu. I just want everybody to know that. It's a great comic. Well, let's shift gears. Let's go forward in time to 2008, but somehow back in time. To 1936 or whatever. The 1930s. So the movie was filmed in 08, but it takes place in the late 30s. And I'll let you run with it from there. I had Ip Man the movie sitting on my DVD shelf for some time. And I've never watched it. Always wanted to. Heard great things about it. Didn't really know what it was about. So... I was kind of surprised when I put it in to learn this was really a biopic about Bruce Lee's kung fu instructor. 
So this movie, when compared to Enter the Dragon, is much more reality-based. And there's a lot of historical stuff that gets caught up in there. And we're talking about the brutal Japanese invasion of China just before U.S. involvement in World War II. I don't want to say before World War II because that kind of was the start of World War II. Yeah, a big, big part of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So if you're Chinese, that was World War II. So that was really interesting to me. I really enjoyed the historical elements of it. Wasn't expecting it. Glad to see, particularly from the Chinese perspective, the effects of that. I really appreciated. There's the scene. We get to see the house of it, man, at the very beginning of the movie and how elegant it is, how beautiful, how much he cares for it. And then when the Japanese invade, it becomes like a headquarters for the occupying force. And it's just you know, barbed wire and stuff all around a concertina wire and guard posts and Japanese flags hanging everywhere. And it's really quite distressing to see. I was a little bit shocked. I was going in expecting a martial arts epic and we got that. I wasn't Mm -hmm. expecting to see this historical, I don't even call it historical fiction, but I guess the historical backstory of the movie. So I appreciated that a lot and we'll score this appropriately. Took the words right out of my mouth. I had seen it once before. My buddy Jesse and I had watched it probably back in around, I don't know, 2011-ish on Netflix. We just picked it randomly one day. And wow, we were blown away like how good it was. We're like, that was really good. Neither one of us knew anything about it. We just picked it randomly. So when it came up for 2008 here at Axfield Faceoff and you selected it, I was like, excellent, excellent. I hadn't seen it in many years. And yeah, what a great combination of action film with historical backdrop. So just like you said, and with that, let's just get to scoring. All right, scale of one to 10. Let's go back to Enter the Dragon. You like the story to the tune of? Seven. I thought this was a really strong story, even though it was bare bones. I thought it had a lot of great character development. Uh, It was a brisk story, kept me moving, kept me engaged. Seven all the way for me. Welcome to Match Game, because I scored it a seven as well. For the same reasons. <laughs> oh, you got to love it, folks. Let's move over to It Man 2008. What'd you score it? I scored It Man just a little bit higher, just because I was kind of blindsided, pleasantly so, with the historical element of It Man and the connection to Bruce Lee. I scored that one an eight. If at the front of the show, you predicted there would be two matches, you have reached your limit because we have another match game. (laughs) I I thought for sure you would get Adventure of the Dragon a little bit higher than it, man. No, no. I feel like the same way as you. I thought seven, you know, Enter the Dragon is kind of stripped down. It's not complex. It's kind of almost every Kung Fu movie you've seen with the tournament, but they did it really well. And I think it deserves a seven. And then it, man, I felt like the story was on par with inner dragon. And I gave it a plus one for its historical context and landed the same way you did. So we both scored in round one. We had two matches, sevens for enter the dragon eights for it, man. And I'll hand it over to you. All right. Well, that'll bring us into round two. And we're going to talk about the hero. We want to know how cool is the hero? What are the action chops? What are the acting chops? How well did the hero service the story? How well was the supporting cast or her supporting cast? Let's get into it and let's talk about the hero from Enter the Dragon. Well, it's Bruce Lee. (laughs) (laughs) So expect a high score from me, especially when you factor in John Saxon as Roper. Always a treat. And then Jim Kelly 
who has been on Actionville Faceoff before, mm-hmm. and three the hard way, I bought a Jim Kelly DVD action pack, and I've never regretted it. I enjoy the heck out of watching it do his thing. So there's a trio right there of good stuff already happening. What's nice about it is they gel, but they don't movie gel. And by that, I mean, you never get the feeling that after the film that Bruce Lee's character and John Saxon's character are going to be best friends, but they'll be respect each other. And yeah, I remember the time we did that. And that's cool because they come from very different worlds. But they had Roper and Williams, John Saxon and Jim Kelly, and they automatically bonded close because they were old army buddies. You know, so I think it just got the relationships right. Your trio of heroes is great. When it's capped off with Bruce Lee, you're going to get a real solid score. What do you got to add to that? Not a whole heck of a lot. You're absolutely right. I mean, Bruce Lee is Bruce Lee. He's an action movie icon for justifiable reasons. He's in fantastic shape. His martial arts forms top notch. He puts this movie on his back. Doesn't even phase him. Just moves forward with it. The character of Roper probably was kind of the surprise favorite for me. Very Han Solo-esque. I saw a lot of Han Solo elements out of Roper. One of my favorite scenes with him is when he realizes that, spoiler alert, that Williams has been killed by the boss. Yeah. And so he's kind of stuck. And the boss has kind of put this offer out, kind of the silver lead type offer. Are you with me? Or And he has to play this so cool and you can tell because we've been watching him and we know his character he is gonna get some revenge but he can't show it he can't Mm -hmm. show it i was just leaning forward in my seat i had expected this martial arts epic and i got it but i got this scene too and hats off to john saxon man i never realized what a fine actor he was until till i saw that scene yeah good stuff good stuff so we talked about Enter the Dragon. What about it, man? What did you think about Donnie Yen and crew? Oof, man, Donnie Yen is an actor that I found way too late in life. Same. I wasn't really paying attention to Donnie Yen until I saw it, man, in about 2010. And since then, I've seen a couple of his other films, and I've enjoyed them all. He's a super talented guy, fun to watch. In fact, I just watched one of his very first films, which was called Drunken Tai Chi. And it was it was a little zany, like the title implies. But man, his fight scenes were awesome. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> we're here to talk about how he portrayed Ip Man, which I think was wonderful and spectacular. And I think he playing the teacher to Bruce Lee is sort of poetic because I do feel like you know, the question always was, you know, who sort of inherited the Bruce Lee legacy? And and some people would say Jackie Chan, but, I, but uh, no disrespect to Jackie. I think he's wonderful, you know, but I think he's more of a stuntman. He's a great martial artist, but I think he's like a stuntman martial artist. And I think Donnie Yen is, might be the truest successor, in my opinion. I'm, I know it's totally debatable, but that's a, a long way around of saying, look for a solid score for me for Donnie Yen. He did a wonderful job. Pass back to you. Yeah, I came to Donnie Yen even later than you. I think I experienced him for the first time in Star Wars Rogue One. I was like, that is very late. (laughs) That is very late. I was like, who's this guy? You know? So after that movie, I was in my local Walmart. And as you do, peruse through the $5 DVD bin there. And they had like Ip Man's one, two, and three. So I was like, oh, I recognize this guy. So I picked those up and said, I'm going to watch these at some point in time. And 
didn't until this very moment for this movie. And I was <laughs> today's the day. <laughs> today's the day. So I'm like fresh on the Donnie Yen train. And holy cow. I mean, aside from the fantastic martial arts, I mean, he is just a terrific actor. You know, some of the scenes that I thought were really good in there were the ones that he did with his wife. One of my favorites was when he's trying to square off against that dude from the north. And he doesn't want to fight this guy. He doesn't want to fight this guy in the presence of his wife and his family or whatever. He's kind of taking it in the chops from his wife for doing it. Right and there in the, his own living room. Right there in his own, yeah. Like his living room. <laughs> you know, and you could tell it's like the audience is there just like, just kick this dude's <laughs> man. Kick his <laughs> you know, it's like, God, that woman just won't let him fight. And then she goes up to him and she's like, don't break my things. <laughs> And just walks out. I was like, oh, yeah. You could just see it in his eyes, just the way his eyes lit up. Okay, it's on. It reminds me of the moment that happens in like every Rocky movie where, you know, Adrian's like, don't get back in the ring. Don't get back in the ring. And then something happens where she's like, handle the business. And you're just like, he's like, let's get down to business, whoop this guy's ass on tea. Yeah, balance my books. Got a lot of stuff to do today. So, I mean, I was just amazed by that. And then the tenderness as he's taking care of her when she's sick, his frustration because he spent his whole life mastering the martial arts. And then he's caught in this new world in occupied Japan when all he can do is shovel coal. Oh, you just feel for this guy through the whole movie. You love his honor. You love his dedication. You feel his frustration. Man, that final boss fight between him and the Japanese general. And we'll get into that, I'm sure, when we talk about action scenes. I was just like, oh, I'm so done with this guy. Yeah, I'm just so <laughs> done with this guy. Just whoop him. So tremendous acting power. And this is a hard one for me. This is you'll find when we do our scores, <laughs> which we'll do right now. Give it to me, Jared. Hero, enter the dragon. What are you giving it? It's darn near perfect. And so I landed on a nine. Ooh, that's pretty close. I didn't go quite full nine. And I'll tell you why. As much as I loved Bruce Lee in here, to me, John Saxon kind of stole the show a little bit in mm. his scenes, but I still gave it a very strong eight. Okay, gotcha. Oh. I don't think I'll ever score Bruce Lee lower than a nine. <laughs> That's just me. That's well, you know, me. to be honest, I never really watched a whole lot of Bruce Lee movies. I know I've seen Enter the Dragon before. It'd been so long, I didn't really remember it. And, it, oh man, it was enjoyable. And I thought he was great. Terrific. That's why I gave him an eight. That's legit. So what about Ip Man? What did you give uh, Ip Man? Like we said, we fawned all over. It's a great performance. I just couldn't quite put Donnie Yen in the same category as Bruce Lee, so I gave him an eight. I gave him an eight as well because I could. I could. When I watched these two performances, I thought these are two actors. I mean, different styles, different genres, different times, Mm -hmm. telling different stories, but each of them carrying the film in their own unique way with tremendous charisma. I think where Bruce Lee had the natural charisma, Donnie Yen had more, maybe more formal acting. I think mm, there, there, okay. there's kind of a little bit better acting with it, man, but just a natural charisma with Bruce Lee. That's cool. So we got three match games. Good discussion. We're big on both of these. <laughs> yeah. Boy, these are good films, man. They really are. With that, let's go ahead and get into round three. Round three is the villain. How menacing and or entertaining is the villain? 
of your piece. Jason, talk to me about Han, not Han Solo, but Han the villain from Enter the Dragon. Well, I think Williams put it best when he said, man, you're a comic book villain. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what he is. He's really a comic book villain. And I mean that in all the best ways. I mean, Han is kind of mysterious. There's not a whole lot of complexity to him. He's bad because he's rich and he's rich because he's bad. (laughs) It's just the cycle. And he surrounds himself with beautiful hookers on an island where he can do whatever he wants. He's lord and master over this island, literally has control of life and death on the island and just kind of God in his own domain. Not a lot of complexity to him, but definitely very interesting and engaging and a fun villain, I guess if I had to put it simply. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Han is memorable. They do that James Bond thing once again, where they give him a physical deformity that he can possibly use to his advantage. And he does. Then just the extension of his villainy, he had that real tall white dude whose name I can never remember, but Bruce Lee fights him in like every other movie. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was O'Hara in this one. I, I think it was, That sounds right. O'Hara in this one. And yeah. Bolo, man. Bolo Young. Chinese I Hercules. Saw- I saw Bolo and I was like, I'm all in, man. Chinese Hercules in this film. <laughs> Jason, I just, it up. just recently watched Chinese Hercules. So, I mean, you got some of these classic martial arts villains that you're surrounding Han with. And I think it made for a fairly memorable group. Speaking of bad guys, Ip Man. You've already mentioned that you hated that dude by the end of the movie. So he must have done something right. <laughs> you know, in a way I hated him. But in a way, I thought he was very interesting. Uh Because there was a certain honor to him. Yes. On the one hand, he clearly saw the Chinese as a group of subhumans, Mm -hmm. which I think was really played out in this movie. And that's obvious in the way that he uses them basically as practice dummies. And he kills one with his bare hands when he gets angry. But at the same time, he has this kind of sense of honor where the ones that win, he gives them the rice, you know? And it's like, Mm. he kind of allows the Chinese martial artists to fight whoever they want. He doesn't try to interfere. And when it's his turn to fight, he goes on out there and puts it on the line. So there's definitely this element that I really respected about him, even though he is a monster. (laughs) I mean, he's he's a monster. There's a a streak of honor to him that I found very interesting. Complex. Complicated. Mm -hmm. It makes for the best villains. I've made 6,000 comparisons to James Bond on this episode alone, but to me, he is the Sanchez villain, where he's a bad dude, but he's got a set of rules, and if you play by his rules, he's straight up. Yeah, you can come out with some rice. You (laughs) (laughs) You know? Those are the best villains, the ones like Dr. Doom in the comic books. He's a bad guy, but there's a lot about him that's straight up. You know, if you're a citizen of Latveria, mm-hmm. Dr. Doom's a straight up guy because he's taking care of your business. Right? You got health care. You know you got health care in Latveria. You know, you got PPE in Latveria. You know, they're all walking around with Doom masks on. <laughs> but yeah, definitely a cool and complex villain. You know, it's magnified by, you know, his entourage. He's got like this colonel that works for him who's just a scumbag. Yeah, that dude was just, oh. And you could tell he had disdain for that colonel. Yes. (laughs) And that's the thing about that colonel. That that colonel's the one that I was like, shoot him in the face. 
<laughs> shoot him in the face. <laughs> you know, and he did. And I was like, yes, get him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> he was really the slimiest of the slime bags because that dude couldn't even fight. It mm-hmm. just talked all that stuff. And you're right. That general, you could just read in his eyes, just like, man, I wish I could. You know, yeah, I wish this guy <laughs> wasn't on my team. You know, yeah. deal. But you know what? There's no other place to put this guy. And I'm just going to interject him here. It's not fair to put him in the villain round. Probably should have talked about it in story. But I think one of the coolest things in the Ip Man was the character of the guy who was a police officer. Oh, you read my mind. Yeah. And then he became a translator for the Japanese, basically kind of sold his soul a little bit for a higher station. But, you know, what are you going to do? You know, he's in this such a gray area. Like, Ip Man smacks him in the face and tells him he sold everybody out. But, like, what would you do? You know, in that crazy scenario, that's a great character that gave balance to the whole movie. And that guy wasn't living an easy life either. He would go in there, and if he would have interpreted what Ip Man had said, <laughs> Ip Man would probably be Ip Man would have just been bayoneted right there on the spot. <laughs> and so he would make something up. And sometimes he'd take a beating for it. Mm-hmm. He'd take a beating for it. And when Ip Man had nowhere else to go, who took him in? Mm-hmm. Who hid him? Mm-hmm. Who took a beating for him when the Japanese suspected that he knew where he was and he wouldn't say? Yeah. I was like, man, this is a lot more complicated mm-hmm. of a film. I just was expecting some flying hands and feet. And now I'm <laughs> emotionally involved in this thing. And I'm just <laughs> like, what's you. going on? So. Oh, man, it's a good film. I'm glad you brought that up. That had triggered my memory as well, and I was trying to figure out how do I go back. Yeah, I mean, he's, put this back. In I the guess story. he's more hero than villain. You know, when you look at step back definitely, and look at I, I definitely think he is. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, I would land on hero as well, but he has to do it in such a difficult way. He's like Lando Calrissian, you know, in Empire, where he's got to yeah, play both good, sides of the ball. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. He is the Lando Calrissian of this story. And interestingly, I didn't put it down as a bit of trivia, but it might be good to bring up that in real life, it man worked as a police officer under the Japanese occupation. That's nope. what he did in real life. And they kind of glossed over that in the story. But, you know, hmm. as is often the case, real life was a little more complicated than what they made it look like on film. Right. Well, let's get to some scoring. Oh, yeah, we got to do that, don't we? Yeah, we still have that left, too. <laughs> Let's go back to the island on the the dragon. And what would you score Han? Well, Han was interesting. Like you said, had a lot of good physical chops to him. Uh, at the end of the day, not the best villain, not the most memorable, but still good and serviceable. I gave him a six. Uh, we're close, but no match game. I gave him a seven just because, like you, I hadn't seen this movie. I probably hadn't seen it in 10 or 15 years but I remembered the villain. I remembered his hand. I remembered his suit. I think his best scene is actually when he's trying to recruit Williams. That's when you really get to know Han and kind of how he manipulates and goes about things. So yeah, he was very memorable to me. I went with a seven, but I could understand your six because there are some things about him that are a bit cookie cutter. Yeah, that's what I just thought. Kind of cookie cutter, but in all the fun ways. So cookie cutters five, I'm going to give him a, a fun element of six. All right, let's go over to the uh, Japanese general in Ip Man, and what'd you score him? Well, he didn't have a whole ton of a lot of scenes in the movie, but the ones he did have were pretty strong. So I've felt very comfortable landing him in a seven category. 
Match game. Match game number four. I also gave him a seven. I thought he and Han were right on about the same level of being memorable. And just a fun little bit of trivia for you on the Japanese general. The Japanese actor who played him had zero martial arts training the day he stepped on the set of that film. So he showed in that final fight too. Well, he took a whooping in the end, but I got to tell you for like his forms and his physicality for a guy who's just an actor and not a martial artist. Wow. He sold me. I believe it. I believe he could whoop my. (laughs) He probably still could whoop my. (laughs) So if you're listening, sir, I I mean, no disrespect. (laughs) No disrespect. You did a great job. Yeah. Fantastic job. Well, I think that'll bring it to my turn. We're going to talk about spectacle. Tiger uppercut. We're going to talk about how visually engaging is the film overall. How'd you like the stunts? What'd you think of the effects? Cinematography, not just visually engaging, music. What'd you think of the music? What'd you think of the overall spectacle of Enter the Dragon, Jared? I think it was strong on spectacle, and I think a lot of it comes from its settings. I think the island looked good the temples that they used to film at looked good for some reason i'm always particularly drawn to when they're all first showing up and they're in their boats being rowed into the harbor and all those junks and whatnot are floating around those flotillas that people just live on and stuff like like they really went all in on showing the chinese culture and the Chinese landscapes and the Chinese backdrops. You know, Bruce Lee famously said that his whole goal with his filmmaking was to get Americans to see the beauty of Chinese culture. And I think he was tremendously successful in that. We already pointed out, without him, we don't get Shang-Chi, Master of Kung Fu. You know, and you got sort of the Power Man and Iron Fist, more particularly Iron Fist. Now you have a white man that does into the Chinese culture. So I think this movie is one of the most important things about demystifying Chinese culture and showing the beauty of it to American culture. I think, you know, not to get so highfalutin, but it's weird when you think, you know, 73 doesn't seem that long ago. Of course, I wasn't born until 76, but 73 doesn't seem that long ago. American culture still viewed Chinese culture as like weird and mysterious, you know, and I think this did a lot through its spectacle to be like, wow, it is is really beautiful and people you know, started wanting to wear Nehru jackets and things like that. So, yeah, I give it a lot of props for it's just its visual look. It's constant attention to cool fight scenes and, you know, cool music. It's going to get a good score for me from Spectacle. about you? Man, I went on a rant there. You did, but it was a good rant, and it covered a lot of same territory I was going to walk down. You can't overstate how important this movie was culturally. Up until this time, these martial arts films had a kind of a niche audience. Mm-hmm. I was two years old in 1973, but I grew up in the 70s and even the 80s with martial arts films on television and watching those and learning to love those. I grew up with American Ninja. Dudikoff. You know, Michael Dudikoff. <laughs> that's right. And it all comes from this. It all comes from mm-hmm. Bruce Lee and his passion to bring this, number one, to bring Kung Fu to the West and then to bring it through the movies. And you're right. It's a perfect blend of mixing the landscapes to show the geographical beauty of Asia and the martial arts to show the physical beauty of that fighting style and that form. Who better to bring that off than Bruce Lee? I'd argue maybe he's the only man of the time who could have brought that off. I don't know of anybody else. I can't think of anybody else who could have uh, done the, the same Aside thing. from Michael Dudikoff. Michael Dudikoff, yeah. I mean, <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Well, he went the other way. He brought like he made all of us white kids think that we could <laughs> we could be like him and become yep. couldn't. Uh, but we uh, sure thought we would. Man, I had my little did. toy swords, my plastic <laughs> shurikens. <laughs> We'd be throwing them at each other. Oh. Yeah, shame for us. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, we tried. We can blame Roper too. Roper tried to kidnap us. <laughs> hey, you know what? We joke. And we laugh about being kids in the 80s when ninja things were super popular, right? We had our little plastic swords and shurikens, like you said. We'd wrap t-shirts around our head in such a way they looked like ninja masks. But imagine if Bruce Lee had lived to see that. Like, to see how Asian culture permeated, especially in the 80s, where ninjas were freaking everywhere. You know, ninjas and samurais. There was nothing cooler in the 80s. and Still nothing cooler to be than ninjas and samurais. Like, imagine if he had lived to see that. He was a big part of bringing that over. You know, people got interested in the culture, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's yeah. a good thing. I mean, it kind of brought forth the Carradines, Chuck Norris, and this begat that, begat that, <laughs> begat that. It all started with Bruce Lee. I mean, obviously, there were tons of talented actors and uh, martial artists and lots of films that you could look back now and YouTube or whatever. But in 1973, there's really only one man that could bring that to the big screen, and that changed the culture forever still to this day hats off now i'm really mm-hmm. thinking like to me i didn't score this high enough. yeah i don't like it. I'm looking at my score but you know there's we don't have a category for like culturally important if we did mm-hmm. it would get a 10 yeah it would before we do that though let's talk about the spectacle of Ip man what did you think of the spectacle there it's funny because you know i had that glowing things to say about the spectacle of enter the dragon and I watched it before I watched it, man, for this. And I thought, well, you know, Spectacle, that's the round that's that entered the dragon is going to just put the beat down on it, man. And then I watched it, man, and I was like, mm, this Spectacle is every bit as good as <laughs> the dragon, but just in a different way. Fight scenes are comparable. I, you know, what? I'll tip my cards. I actually like the fight scenes in it, man, a little better. But, you know, it's modern filmmaking versus older filmmaking. Mm-hmm. What they didn't have was... The beauty of it. Well, they had the beauty of Asia in the beginning, like you said. Well, and I think that was part of the story, too, is it contrasts the beauty oh, absolutely. of pre-Japanese invasion with mm-hmm. post-Japanese invasion. So well, that's where I'm going with this different kind of spectacle, because most of the film takes place when it's not beautiful. And it's that stark contrast. But that's spectacle in and of itself. You know, it's uncomfortable spectacle, but you face it and they pull it off really, really well. Um, so, yeah, strong spectacle of both films. <laughs> To me, is I compared the action sequence of the spectacles between Enter the Dragon and Ip Man, it's very easy to look at it and say, well, 2008 Ip Man spectacles beats out 1973's Enter the Dragon. But I got to say, going back and watching those again, I, there's something I really appreciate about the simplicity of the 1973 Enter the Dragon and Bruce Lee's fighting style because that's all there is there's no wires there's no trick Mm -hmm. photography and although those things are kind of cool to watch and you see them in it man to me the best things in its most pure form is i just like to see donnie yen being donnie yen and showing me the skills he has not on the wire not doing gimmicky things but Mm -hmm. the martial arts piece of it that's what we really get with enter the dragon and i appreciate that a lot I think the other thing, though, to say about Ip Man, in a way, it kind of reminded me of Titanic. Bear with me on this one for a minute. Because when I went to see Titanic at the theater, it was a good movie. And I'm watching it. And I realize, I know going in what's going to happen to Titanic. I know Titanic is going to sink. But I'm so engaged 
in the story, the romance, the rivalry, that when the ship hits the iceberg, I was actually surprised for a minute. I was like, what? What, <laughs> what happens to Jack and, Jack and Rose? <laughs> How's this going to play out? God dang it, man. And then it becomes like a second movie. And the, kind of the same thing happened to me. I knew what happened to China in the mm-hmm. 1930s. Mm-hmm. I should have seen it coming, but I'm so engaged in the beauty and the culture that when the Japanese invade, it's like, boom, act two, everything changes. Everything changes. And I was just like, oh, just gut punched. That's the reaction you're supposed to have when you watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And so that I thought was really a strong spectacle element that I wasn't expecting going into. Absolutely. So that's that. Whose category is this? This is mine. <laughs> I can tell you forgot because you were going long on your <laughs> going on in my own category. <laughs> All right, score them. We talked enough. Let's score them. Give me Enter the Dragon. What are you scoring Enter the Dragon? Even after my great flowery speech of how culturally important this movie is, I have to be realistic. Spectacle-wise, I gave it an eight. A strong eight. Good film. If we had a category called culturally important films, it would have got a 10. But, you know, when I'm factoring the cinematography, the action scenes, the soundtrack, how it's edited, all that jazz, solid eight. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a match game. I gave it an eight as well. I thought that it just shows how much it holds up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, like, not again, something... like a Bond movie. It just holds up. It's just, you can just watch it again and again. Right. Yeah. I mean, is it a perfect spectacle? You know, a perfect 10? No, but it's so good. And the elements come together so well that, yeah, it holds up. And, and in my mind, deserved a strong eight as well. Which brings us to Ip Man. What did you give spectacle on Ip Man? Eight. I thought they were perfectly on par, just different kinds of spectacle. I gave Ip Man a seven. I thought that it's well above average. I'm not so sure it's going to hold up spectacle-wise as well as Enter the Dragon. We'll have to see. We have to give it, you know. 40, 50 years. <laughs> we'll check back in. <laughs> back uh, action film face off episode 620. Yeah, we'll, we'll revisit this, but uh, I landed on a seven for it, man. All right, not too far apart. And with the spectacle round in the bag, let's get into round five. Round five is the action scene. Best action scene if you're going to be on action film face off, you got to have a good action scene. So I will let Jason talk to us about how he broke down. Good luck with this. Enter the dragon. There's so many. Dude, let me get, it's like two pages here. Let me, <laughs> let me grab page one. You know, if you want to do just the highlights. Okay, we do just the highlights, please. Because I got, I'm starting out with the first one with Bruce Lee fighting that fat Chinese guy. I called that one Kung Fu. <laughs> Kung Fu with a D. I get right. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, that dude was not skipping. He was, he was out of his weight class in some way. I know. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, you need to stick and move. That fool will eat you. <laughs> then we had the flashback scenes, and there's kind of like three in there. The one with that tells the tale of his sister, very tragic. I called that one No Means No. The one with Roper, the, the bad guys trying to beat him up on the golf course. I called that one In the Rough. And then there's the one with Williams when he's harassed for no reason by the cops. and. The cops seem to get really upset when they're like, where are you going, boy? And it's like, uh, I'm going to this island by means of Hawaii. You're not going to Hawaii. You're not going to And he's Cop like, got insanely mad when he found out that dude was going to Hawaii. And it was just a layover. Yeah. I mean, he's like, yeah, I'm only going to be there for like two hours. You know, <laughs> Cop lost his rocker. Yeah. Well, he lost his cop car, too, because yeah. 
whoop your butt. So I called that one. F you, I'm going to Hawaii and I'm taking your car as my ride. <laughs> I got, okay. I got it interrupt. I just about died laughing when, you know, you watch the scene and you're like, oh man, it's rough to see this young black dude get harassed by the cops. And then he beats him up. Oh, we knew he was going to beat him up, right? We knew it was going to happen. So you're like, yeah, okay. So that's what you expect. But then he gets in their car and drives to the airport <laughs> to get white in the cop car. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. The only thing that was missing if we could have seen him use the siren so he could like, you know, get her back. <laughs> I, I made good time to the airport. <laughs> Not only did I get to the airport on time, I had time for a coffee. I and mean, I am going to Hawaii. <laughs> that's right. Upgraded to first class. This is awesome. So then it just started carrying on. The kung fu scene on the island where Roper fights a guy and Williams fights a guy. Eventually, Lee fought O'Hara, the guy that murdered his... Well, I guess he didn't really murder her. Drove her to kill herself, I guess. Yeah, I guess. We'll say murder. He basically murdered yeah. her. Yeah. And then there was the cave fight with the nunchucks. Woo! Special appearance Ooh. by Jackie Chan. Oh, yeah. And then there was Roper versus Chinese Hercules. Bolo. Mm-hmm. I like that one too. I like that. That's one good lot. stuff. Then there was the big brawl because after the bolo went down, it's just like <laughs> everybody fought. Which everybody. brings me to the question: like, what inspired this bad guy to just randomly imprison a bunch of drunk Chinese sailors <laughs> <laughs> on his island? I, I lost that control. Came back to bite them. Once they sober <laughs> up, they're a fight, man. <laughs> I lost control. What? I lost the bubble on who was fighting who. I, was I had like, no where clue. Where did these guys come from? It's like, why did you keep these guys on your island? It's like they sobered up. It's like, what the? where am I? I'm going to whoop somebody's ass. And they did. They had, a, had a vengeful army of prostitutes. People are dying. I'm like, I don't know if I was rooting for you or against you. or no idea. Anyway, and then there's, of course, finally the uh, mirror fight. I called that one 700 years bad luck. (laughs) Yeah, he broke a lot of mirrors in that one. Okay, which one was your favorite fight of the film? God, man. I'll tell you what, I'll eliminate one for you. You don't have to pick the fight between the two praying mantises on the boat. Well, now I got to (laughs) rethink. I think because it's so iconic, I'm going to go with the cave fight. Just because I've seen so many pictures and images of him with those nunchucks mm. and that ripped mm. sleeve on the shirt. Mm. And just seeing that again, just watching him just lay those folks out like kitchen tile, if I may <laughs> borrow a quote from you. <laughs> that was good. Although, man, that mirror fight was grand too. Impaling him in the mirror and like him spinning in the thing. I was like, oh, hmm, director. <laughs> nice call. <laughs> Now, I will say this. I thought the mirror fight went too much artsy and not yeah. enough martial artsy. I, thought, I was like, okay, I get it. There's lots of reflections. Can we please fight now? This is going to be a weird and bold choice, I think. My favorite action scene from Enter the Dragon, I actually like the flashback fight with Bruce Lee's sister. And they're like chasing her through town and she's doing, she did a lot of cool stuff, man. Like I was really engaged in that fight. And dudes were busting in windows like the Kool-Aid man. And she was fighting and scrapping tooth and nail. It was a good chase, too. Yeah, I was like really invested Yeah, All the other ones to me were either too short or too artsy, like the mirror fight. I would really have it down between Lee's sister's fight, which is weird that we're doing Enter the Dragon. I picked the girl fight or the cave fight. They're very close to me, but I'm just going to go with Lee's sister. 
Hey, I don't find that a weird choice at all. I think, you know, it's kind of interesting because I was watching this movie and you called me at some point. And I think we started talking about that because I had just watched that scene with her. And I was like, this may be my favorite action scene in the movie. And we were talking about it then. And I was just like, man, that was a powerful scene. It was a good chase scene. It was good fighting. She was physical. She was agile. Just, yeah, I don't find that weird at all. And that, in fact, I was heavily considering that one myself. And Interesting. I, I, yeah, it's good. All right. Well, let's go to the Ip Man. Lay them out for me, son. There's a bunch there, too. If you want to hit the highlights again, go right ahead, because there's a lot to choose from. And we both know which scene we're going to pick, but go ahead and lay it out for the audience. All right. (laughs) There's the first scene where the new instructor comes in to challenge Ip Man. They have dinner, and then Ip Man whoops his ass, basically. And I call that one Kung Pao for dinner. (laughs) We're going to have Kung Pao for dinner. You know, I, I think that scene is great, though, because it, it right off the bat gave us Ip Man's character. It did. Noble, it did. not a show off, treated that dude with respect the entire time. And it kind of showed the culture, too. I guess it just wasn't uncommon. We're like, I wonder how good a fighter he is. Let me walk over and find out. Well, I'm having dinner. You want to have dinner with me first? Sure. Smoke some cigarettes, drink some tea. Hey, let me tell you something. That culture bleeds into Enter the Dragon because I read in my research on it that one of the guys who worked on the film, you know, like a stagehand type of a deal, actually challenged Bruce Lee during the filming of the movie to see if he was that good. It's like almost the exact same thing as we saw in it, man. Bruce Lee obliged him, defeated him, and then dusted him off and was like, oh, back to work. We're still friends. It's all good. Yeah, it was a different <laughs> time, man. It was a different time. That's all I can say. Anyway, back to Ip Man. When the Northman comes and challenges everybody to a fight, I just called that one Northman fight. I didn't know what else he, to call he, it. He fought everybody. And yeah, did pretty baby. good until he got to Ip Man's house. <laughs> yeah, then he gets to Ip Man's house, which is number three. Ip Man humbles Northman. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's pretty embarrassing right there. Yep. <laughs> he literally paddled him. I know. With, like, with like a switch. I was like, oh man. <laughs> I think at that point, I'm just like, fight's over. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just leaving. Yeah. And then after the occupation, the one that kind of stood out to me was when the Japanese general took on the three guys. And then there was the one where the other master, the one that we saw at the beginning of the movie that it man defeated, actually takes on three guys himself. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do as well, but actually, like, I don't know. For a minute there, I thought he might have it. For three on one, he did pretty well. He did. Right up until that Weasley dude shot him in the head. Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. God, that Weasley guy, man. I was so glad when he died. <laughs> and then there's the one that, uh, spoiler alert, is going to win. <laughs> it Man versus Ted, or give me a 10, said Yen. <laughs> <laughs> it Man fight dead guys. Oh, God, that was good. <clears throat> and then... But a close runner-up in my mind was the next one, which was the factory fight. After he teaches all the factory workers how to fight mm-hmm. and defend themselves, and they come into that brawl with the little marauders. Dude from the north again. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, dang, man. Didn't tell me you owned this factory. <laughs> and then, of course, there was the final challenge between Ip Man and the general. Whoo, boy. <laughs> That was not really a Rocky Apollo moment. <laughs> it's one of those things where like the general hung in there for you know a while. Yeah, that's right. He he wore down. <laughs> well, I was a little confused too in that scene because it made it play like if he fought back, he would be killed. Like so, I was like, hmm, is he not going to fight back? Is he not going to give his all? Like, he oh. gave it his all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving it his all. <laughs> if he's holding back, God. <laughs> 
Woo! Hey, right. So those are it. There's a whole bunch to choose from. It's got to be yin versus ten. Is your favorite of mine, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. No yeah. doubt. <laughs> okay. Oh man, there wasn't one person that didn't walk out of there with a broken bone. Mm. Mm. Sam Hung did the fight choreography. Man, that was awesome. <laughs> man, it man didn't even break stride. He was like, pow, 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 pow. "Give me ten. <laughs> that dude was like trying to figure out, do I even have ten here? <laughs> After he defeated the 10, like the guys who were left all stood up like they were going to fight him. And I was like, gutsy move, man. You just saw what happened to the last mm-hmm. 10 guys. I, I would be like, I'm done for the day. I'm yeah. out of here. Y'all be cool. Yeah, yeah you like, know, all of a sudden I think I pulled something, a rotator cuff. <laughs> My favorite part is like, he's beat nine out of the 10. There's like one guy left. And I'm just like, just lay down, dude. <laughs> just like, I don't know, man. And he still tried. The 10th guy still tried. I was like, no. Well, there was the one guy. He like speed bag punched this guy oh in the face gosh. while he was on the ground. I was like, ooh, that's got to. He hit that guy like a dozen times in two seconds. That was fantastic. That wow. Was just... Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That fight alone is worth the price of admission. 100%. All right. We've got our favorites. So doubling back to Enter the Dragon. What did you give the cave fight? I gave that cave five an eight. I thought that the cave fight, and maybe it's a little bit unfair, maybe it's a little elevated by today's standards, but because of the cultural relevancy of that fight and just the iconography, the imagery and iconography of it, I couldn't in good conscience give it less than an eight. I was a little harder on Enter the Dragon. I picked Lee's sister fight, and I gave it a seven. I think I would give the cave fight a seven as well. I was just a little more engrossed in the Lee sister fight for whatever reason. Like I said, it was uh, an interesting choice, but hey, check out the movie and see what you think. If you agree with me or not, I think it was pretty good. Yeah, I think I've been a little bit inconsistent about trying to factor in and factor out the cultural relevancy of Enter the Dragon. It's tough, man. It's tough because it's an important movie. All right. Yen versus 10. I gave that one an eight as well. This one is probably a more pure eight. You know, when we compare this to all the other action scenes from all the other movies we've evaluated over the years, this one, boy, that was just a brutal, magnificent fight scene, which is just seared into my memory. So strong eight for me. You know what my barometer is for a 10 for the action film face-off in the fight scene realm is the blade bloodbath scene. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And this one was that close for me. I gave it a Ooh. nine. Oh, I could see it. Yeah, I, I could see it. Nine. It was an eight for me until he did that rapid fire punch thing. I remember sitting on the couch when Jesse and I picked that movie on Netflix randomly. And that was that part in the movie where we both kind of sat up straight and was like, what? <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you know, just rock that dude all the way to the ground. I was like, goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, that was just fantastic. Well, that's it, man. That's it for our action scenes and our main scoring rounds. I think we got one thing left to do. The deduction round. So we got this deduction round. It's a reduction for the ridiculous. Anything that you saw in the movie that you were just like, nope, got to go, got to take a point off, two points off, whatever you feel is your heart's desire. You may remember from True Lies. Oh, I hate that scene. Yeah, you and that Mac 10 scene. That Mac 10 scene just cut that. Movie like, like out the, that episode is over. So much better. <laughs> it's never over. Never. Y'all just turn it off. Oh, easy, Rambo. <laughs> it's Mac 10s. There's just so many Mac 10s. So many Mac 10s and Mac 10s all over me. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> Sorry, Sylvester Slay. You're magnificent. We love you. 
we do. But at any rate, let's go through the deduction round. Are you taking anything off of Enter the Dragon? And if you say yes, prepare to defend yourself. Okay. Uh, the answer is no. The only thing I even considered doing it on was, and I mentioned this to you before we started recording, that movie had a flashback within a flashback, which always bothers me. <laughs> yeah. They did go a little Inception there. Because <laughs> Bruce Lee is in a boat flashing back to when he was talking to his old master who then did a flashback so we could see what happened to his sister but without that flashback and a flashback i wouldn't have got my favorite action scene so no i'm not subtracting thing what about you nah man nah you get your ass kicked for even thinking about taking a point off <laughs> the dragon i think you're right let's move on to it man are you taking a point off of it man or multiple points off of it man and if so why prepare to defend yourself i am not taking anything away from it man i thought it was very very well done the only thing that I want to point out to our listeners, it's not worth deducting a point for. But Ip Man is basically being held prisoner until his big fight with the general at the end. Mm-hmm. The general shows up and gives him a lovely tray of food. He did. The like mm-hmm. to which Ip Man has not seen in, in a long time. Ip Man does that noble thing like, I'm not eating your food, right? Okay, now as a military guy, I got to tell our audience, in case they find themselves in this specific position. <laughs> If you're a prisoner of war or a prisoner of any kind and someone gives you food, you always take it because you never know where your next meal is coming from. He knows he's got to fight that guy, but he doesn't know how long. You want to fight that guy with low blood sugar? Do you? I don't. Oh, man. You'd have to go up and it'd be all embarrassing. He's like, can I have a hard candy or something? So I know, right? Get, so get my blood everybody out there, if you ever find yourself as a prisoner and you're offered food, always take the food because you never know when your next meal is coming and you never know when you might need that strength to fight your way out of a tough spot. So... Keep that in mind, people, but I'm not deducing, deducing. I'm talking like you now. I'm not going to minus it. I'm not going to minus it. <laughs> what about you? No, I couldn't find anything in there that was worth taking a point off. I mean, there's a couple things. I wish they would have explored the brother relationship, the little brother that was humiliated and ran off and joined that gang. I thought there was a little more story there that they could have explored, but not worth taking a point off the movie. It's a fine film and no deductions from me. You got to love that, though. You know, he, oh, I hated my brother. My, you know, he embarrassed me and I always hated him. I joined this gang. And, and then it man's like, well, you know, here's the only possession you ever kept. And it was your kite. Bet you feel like crap now, don't you? <laughs> I mean, it seemed like kind of a lame thing to like run away and join a gang for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got embarrassed. Different man, cultures. I got pissed. If I, man, if we uh, ran away and joined a gang every time one of us embarrassed the other, <laughs> I mean, a lot of gangs. I know. <laughs> like, am I the Crips, the Bloods, both? I don't know. <laughs> well, with that deep thought, that is the end of our scoring rounds. Don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you here at Action Film Face-Off. And looking at the judges' scorecards, it is a close one. But the winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off with a score of 78 to 75. Oh, nail-biter. Ip Man. Yeah, that could have gone either way, man. I was amazed at how little I knew about it, man, when I watched it. And I was amazed how little I remembered about Enter the Dragon and how much I really enjoyed it on this rewatch. Both are fine, fine films. Great, great setup for this episode. I hope everybody enjoys both these movies. Well, congratulations to Ip Man. 
But now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for our next episode. Hang on a second, Jason. Don't use the regular randomizer because our next episode is our Halloween special. Horror film face off. So go go to the horror film randomizer and pull the levers to find out what. It's going to be. So the next episode you'll be hearing after this one, folks, will be released. all over it. (laughs) The next one will be released on October 31st, like we did last year. Last year, we had The Hitcher versus Vampirella. And that was a fun episode. We were all over the place on that one. So uh, I can't wait to see what years we're going to get from our horror film face-off randomizers. Jason, do your thing. All right. You ready for your Halloween film face-off year? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Choose your destiny. Nineteen seventy-five. Ooh. All right, let me dust off. All right, here we go. Choose your destiny. Two thousand thirteen. Hmm. That's interesting. What will those films be? Well, we're going to tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening, and we highly suggest that you do. Mm -hmm. Or you could just come in cold, tune in next episode, and find out. Well, until then, I'm Jason Weasel Skull Albrecht, and you can find me on social media at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrecht on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find me, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, a.k.a. Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parlor. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And on YouTube, if you search Yard Sale Artist, you will find me. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Longbox Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, pretty much all your finer podcatchers, or go directly to www.longboxcrusade.com. If you'd like to send us a question or a comment, we highly recommend you do that on Twitter at AFFO Podcast. But you can also do that through any of our Longbox Crusade accounts, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. But only one of those has an AFFO Podcast, and that's Twitter. So hit us up there and we'll chat with you. No problem. You want to interact with us with live chat, be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles. It's a lot of descriptors in there. Join us for our next episode of Doing It Live Stream on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month. Unless there's a holiday, we bump it a week. We always start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Longbox Crusade. Give us a subscription, won't you? Thank you. And thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you listening. Until next episode, keep your head down. And your knuckles up. Halloween! The intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face-off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. She's gonna blow him away! <laughs>